Welcome to Wood Talk for woodworkers by woodworkers. Now, here are three guys who have great personalities Mark, Matt, and Shannon. All right, it's Wood Talk number 205 for November 17th, 2014. On today's show, we're talking about sealing with shellac, selecting a solvent for an unknown finish, and skipping the jointer and going right for the planer. All that and more coming up, but first, let's hear a quick word from our sponsors. First up, we've got ArborTech. The new ArborTech Contour Random Sander is a woodworker's dream come true. Get perfectly smooth surfaces with the tool's powerful random sanding action. It doesn't burn or dig in at the edges and fits to any standard angle grinder. Watch the tool in action, and it's available now at ArborTechUSA.com. And also, did you know that some tools stand apart for the most when they're all working together? Explore a full system designed to deliver more precise results. Results? <laughs> results? What a, results. Is that a Michigan accent? <laughs> it might what be, is actually. That? It was a stifled burp slash cough <laughs> slash I like accent. that. I like that. <laughs> so more precise results at FestoolUSA.com. And I chose to read this one because Shannon said he refuses to do anything with a power tool anymore. He's boycotting it. That, that must be it. <laughs> That's because it's my job to announce our third sponsor. Wood Talk is sponsored by, insert your company here. There you go. <laughs> there you yeah. go. Run your ad here. Uh, but we do also have some assistance from folks like Christopher Mann and Scott Carlisle. Both of them went and set up donations at woodtalkshow.com, left-hand column. You'll see some links there for small amount donations and recurring donations. And uh, that sort of viewer support helps keep the show going on and going strong. We appreciate that. So let's get into what's on the bench for me, I'm still in this mode. This is weird for me. I've never done this for this long where I'm not actually actively building anything major in the shop and just kind of, uh, you know, taking it easy a little bit and en- enjoying some pumpkin pie. Somebody's got a fever. <laughs> yeah. I, actually, I am getting a fever to get back in the shop. Um, so here's the thing that's going to at least initially get me back in. Uh, Nicole came home after doing a little uh, shopping, something I call doing damage. Uh, and she, she came back with all of these really cutesy sort of, um, tasteful, fashionable artwork, Christmas decorations. So wall art basically, but most of them are cheap crap wood and have, you know, stenciled letters on them, very simple sayings and they're, they're festive. They look great, but it's like you get down to it and you're like, oh my gosh, this is like a two hour project at best. And that's waiting for paint to dry. You know, it's like very simple stuff that we could be making ourselves instead of spending uh, $20. But she, she didn't go to TJ Maxx. And from what I understand, it's a little cheaper than if it were purchased at the original store it came from. Oh, yeah. Well, in that case, that totally offsets all of it. Don't even worry about me. <laughs> it makes it it makes yeah, it no totally worries. makes it better. So anyway, she has these letters that say, I don't know, joy or happy or some dumb crap like that. But um, it's, you know, holiday themed. So they're just little six by six blocks of wood. Stupid good feelings. <laughs> oh, stupid Merry Christmas. <laughs> so it said something and there's six by six squares of just three quarter inch stock uh, meant to look really rustic. And then they have the letters on each one. So each block is a letter and they have a little hangy thing on the back and you put them on the wall. And I'm like, you know what? This is dumb. I'm going to go make these. Like I'll make them. I'll film them. It'll be the easiest project we've ever done on the show, yet it'll save me some money at the same time. Uh, great project for pallet wood. Like I'm not really a pallet wood builder, but if I've got some old 
pieces like that, the more rustic, the better. And thickness doesn't matter. I'm not gluing anything up. As long as I have the width I need, boom, I've got a ton of these little things. So I'm going to make some of those. And mine's don't, going to... Don't you have some like African blackwood left over from the Dogon bed? <laughs> I probably have. A, I have <laughs> lots of exotics. Yeah, I have lots of exotics I could use. But uh, I want this to be to be cheap and rustic looking. So, uh, And I'm also you know, still a little bit lazy. So, of course, I go for the shortest word I could possibly use, and that's joy. <laughs> right, because it's only three letters. Uh, if Which, there's something yeah, runs through the Spagnolo house, obviously, right now. <laughs> yeah. So if there's something shorter, holiday related, a word that I'm not thinking of, let me know. If you if we can find a two letter word, that'd be even better. Nog. Hmm. <laughs> Nog. Uh, Feliz Nog. Navidad. Does that work for you? <laughs> oh no, don't, don't even go there. So uh, that's well, what I'll be doing pretty soon here. Well, that sounds like one of those things where whenever you go through the home center and there's like that called lumber stack way in the back of the, uh, the building, which I usually, I, I just assume that there's going to be a bonfire later on. That's what that's all there for. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's, that's another one of those things. I know a lot of people just, they, they get an itching for that, you know, inexpensive wood. Gotta have it just because it's there. It's yeah. inexpensive. I should grab it. Or if you're like Shannon, you just walk past the dumpster at work and the next thing you know, you're pulling out exotics from all over right. the Oops, the look what fell into my pocket. <laughs> 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 yeah. So, you know, and it's, I'm sure this is, I'm not the only woodworker frustrated by this stuff. You go to the store and you see the prices on a lot of these decorations and you just go, my gosh, it's just some scrap wood and somebody with a, you know, a paintbrush and a stencil. Uh, why are we paying this much for this? So, um, right. It's finally the only area of woodworking that actually it is cheaper to do it yourself. <laughs> yeah, there's very few, right? Isn't that a misconception about <laughs> right. woodworking is how much cheaper? I can build that desk cheaper. Yeah. Well, and okay. it's still, Good it's, luck with that. it still comes close. You know, I asked her how much she bought them for, and uh, she said they were about $15 for this set of four to make uh, a word. And I'm thinking, okay, so you've got to buy the little hangy hooks on the back, right? So you're going to spend a few bucks for a set of those. Uh, you've got to have the material. Let's let's say the material, because we're woodworkers, it's already here. I'm not going to say there's cost there. But you have to have paint. You have to have the right size stencils to make sure they work. Now, of course, once you have this stuff, you can make multiples and get more. But I only want one. So if I'm truly just making one. Say, it can only take so much joy. Yeah, there's only so much joy in my life. I only have one sign's worth. And, you know, so it does make it a little bit harder to justify, even on something like this, you know, where she got it at a discounted price. So it wasn't that bad. But still, all in all, just on principle, I've got to make these things. <laughs> See, the reality is, is projects like this, though, usually go the other way on, on a financial because it's like, oh, OK, well, I could make this cool sign and I'll make it better. Yeah. You know, next thing you know, you, you've bought like the router, like the alphabet router template kit and you're <laughs> routing in the letters. I need a multi-router for this, don't I? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this, this is the project that guys end up like rating the impulse buy section at Rockler or whatever yeah. to, to come up with this. You know? Yeah, it's, it's a funny situation. <laughs> but anyway, uh, Shannon, how about you? What's going on? Um, not a lot of actual woodworking um, because I've got this uh, this pedal lathe, this Barnes lathe that uh, I'm just like itching to turn something on. Uh, but I'm I'm how shall I say I'm restraining myself because I started putting it together and then I started doing some restoration work and cleaning it up. I mean, it's, it's really dirty. Like your hands come away black when you touch it. <laughs> and it occurred to me that in order to do this right, I had to start taking it apart again. And the sucker's heavy. You know I mean? The flywheel itself is probably 60 pounds and the cast iron legs and everything. So I started taking it apart again to actually clean it up. And I, I keep fighting the temptation to just like throw the chain on and start turning because the chain hasn't been cleaned and the little <laughs> brackets that support it haven't been cleaned. And there's quite a bit of once you get it together, quite a bit of tweaking to kind of get it to come to this balance so that everything's in alignment and everything spins well. 
So I've had it now for a couple of weeks and I haven't turned a thing on it, but it's looking really pretty. Nice. Uh, I've got it cleaned up. I flattened the ways. I reapplied finish and everything. So it's, I opted, I wrote a blog post on this a while ago. I opted to not really do a full restore because the patina was just too cool. Mm-hmm. So I've really just cleaned it up and uh, used a lot of the um, techniques they would use for restoring a saw things that I picked up from Bad Axe Toolworks on, you know, this Wizards Metal Renew and Polish and all that stuff. So it actually looks like it's new if someone, like, applied patina after the fact. <laughs> you know, so it's very in vogue. You know, it's been weathered. Nice faux finish, Shannon. Right, right. but it's, it's, <laughs> it's at this point, it's, like, all clean and it's shiny and it's cool. got, like, a fresh coat of, of wax on the ways and everything. So I'm very close. I've just got to deal with some of the gearing and stuff like that. And and hopefully I'll get it up and running when I can get some time later this week. Sounds great. I'm oh excited. Gosh. Cool. That lathe fetish. Lordy Lord. I know. Well, What's up that's with that? the other thing is I've already been told that I have to make some pins for Christmas this year. I've managed to not make them for, I think, four years now. Um, which is now my wife's way of saying, hey, it's been long enough that we can give them again. Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> so Did you just get the inserts? Yeah. Maybe I should do that. So I, I am I am hoping that I could actually do it on this lathe. That it would be a really kind of sea trial way to break it in since it's something I don't have to think about doing since I've turned so many damn pins. Nice. Well, I, I think I just saw it was your Facebook or or something. Maybe it was uh, your Instagram account. Wasn't there some spruce someplace? I assumed that that was actually going to be another lathe. <laughs> no, Sycamore. But oh, it Sycamore. Will be, that's it. Yeah, it will be on the lathe. It's really good stuff for um, – um, green woodwork stuff. Like I did a spoon from it and I may try to do another one, but it's all like sopping wet green. So it's just <laughs> the perfect kind of thing to do on my pole lathe whenever I, maybe I'll do another bowl or so off of it. I don't know. I haven't figured it out yet. Right now it's cold and rainy outside. So it's not going to happen. <laughs> not going to happen. All right, Matt, what about you? Well, actually uh, I shouldn't really talk too much because I was out using my lathe this weekend, to be honest with you. It was a, it, it's, it's, it's uh cold enough in the garage that I'm not going to break a sweat, but at the same time, my tools aren't like super brittle right now or anything. And (laughs) I hate to say that I'm actually enjoying using the lathe. I knew this was going to happen. I was really upset with myself that I allowed myself to go in this direction, but I made, wow, a couple of projects actually this weekend, which are going to be featured in an upcoming video or uh, yeah, uh, an upcoming video, one for sure. The other one probably be going for the, uh, the patrons and uh, just neat little projects kind of along the lines of like the pen thing. um, But a lot of fun. And this time, this time I followed some advice that I got from these guys and I raised my tool rest up. was a little bit closer. I, (laughs) I, I I surfed the bevel, no rode the bevel. That was it. And, And I actually had some nice shavings flying back at me. I did have a moment, though. I I panicked. I was so in on doing the the last part of one of the projects that it's like you get into like that tunnel vision and you're just seeing what's right in front of you. You don't start noticing the things around you. I assumed that I was blinking a lot for some reason. And it turned out that the fluorescent lights above me, one of the bulbs was going out. So it was like a strobe effect. (laughs) So that's got to play weird like tricks on your eyes while you're watching something spin. Yeah, it did. It was really, really. And the thing is, I'm like, I'm curious to see. I had the video camera on, so we'll see how that turns out that way. But it really was like one of those things where I was convinced that either the chips were hitting me just the right spot on the face mask that I was getting that effect or I was blinking a lot. And then I stepped back to grab the next uh, tool and suddenly I'm like, oh, oh, the oh, the bulb's going out. Oh, wow. That's really weird. So (laughs) 
it's it's kind of scary that I could get that in it like focused on something. Turning I, is that turning is like that though. I mean, I think it's because you're standing in one spot and you're so focused on well, I mean, the spinning can be a little mesmerizing, but I've done that <laughs> where you you finish turning something or you turn a couple of things and before you know it, first of all, like six hours has gone by. <laughs> Second of all, you're like, oh my god. God, my back hurts right now because you've been <laughs> not so much hunched over, but you've been like tensed in yes. like the shoulders all the way down and it's exhausting. Um, yeah, turning is it, – it's like – I don't know. It requires a lot of concentration I guess or at least mine does. That's one of those <laughs> things you just don't realize what muscles you're using until you, you go to move out of that position and you're just like, ooh, ow, what is that? Haven't felt that yeah. muscle in five years. Uh, you know, the, the thing I want to go back to, you mentioned the, the light being sh- like a strobe effect. Uh, on the Festool jigsaws, one of the new features they have on there is that the light actually, once you get going, it blinks and it does this sort of strobed effect because what it allows you to do is see better what's happening at the point of the cut because you're kind okay. of just getting flash of flashes of light. So you see, you know, it's almost like you're, uh, what would you say? You're kind of lowering the frame rate in a way. So you see it in right. stills huh. almost. So I wonder... Would that have any benefit at all at the the lathe? Hmm. I mean, probably not. It probably would just be a weird distraction. But it it has me thinking, like, oh, well, that's that's an interesting concept. Could that be useful? Yep. What? How does that whole seizure thing work? That's I'm exactly what that I was thinking. There like, must this be no risk. Well, well, it works like this: you see the blinking light, you have a seizure. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. With, with my <laughs> luck, that's exactly what I kept thinking. I'm like, once I realized what was happening, and I I just had a few more things to finish, so it was like one of those things, like. I hope the light just stays on just long enough. I'm going to ignore it. And I kept thinking that over and over. I'm like, this is when Slim Matt's going to discover seizures. This is it right here. This is going to happen yeah, right now. Doesn't sound like right a good, into the spinning wood. Not a good combination <laughs> with the lathe. Well, cool. That sounds good. Yeah. So it was a good time all around. Like I said, the video is going to be coming out pretty soon. And it was a fun little project. So something, something neat, something really cool. And the best part about it is it is kind of neat when you finally are able to use the tools the right way. So thanks to everybody for the fantastic advice. I did make one little mistake and I did catch it on video, but it was so nice because the mistake wasn't nearly as bad as it could have been. And I could easily, I, well, I couldn't, I, I did easily fix it without any issues. So, uh, there really is something to be said about, uh, tool rest position. Nice. Sounds good. You know, all right. Well, you know what, what I learned today is that there's Uh absolutely nothing new going on in the woodworking (laughs) world, uh, as evidenced by the fact that there is nothing in our what's new section. I am so happy that you said something about it because I was starting to worry that I was just becoming really apathetic about the topic. <laughs> I don't know what's going on, but we have nothing new uh, in the what's new area. Nothing so. new in woodworking. It's it. It's over. It's, well, I, got, I knew one day we'd reach this point. And, uh, Turns here, out woodworking, it's the same old crap. <laughs> We've come to the end. Same old crap, different day. All right. Well, then let's move into the poll of the week from our good buddy Tom Iovino at tomsworkbench.com. And uh, let's see, last week we had a poll asking about getting shop blocked. What are the things that are stopping you from getting into the shop? And we have a, there's a lot of answers there, uh, but the two that struck me the most here were 43%, um, a very large majority of the group said, uh, it's that silly day job thing that keeps getting in the way. And uh, a smaller number, but I thought it was a, a funny answer, was 4% of the, the respondents said, nothing stands in the way of me and my shop. 
Whoa. I mean, don't want to get near that 4%. No, don't mess with those people. <laughs> so lots of fun answers there. You can go check out the results. And uh, this time we've got a, well, this is kind of a repeat. Every year we ask this question, whether you're making holiday gifts, and this is not, uh, are, are you making decorations type of thing? This is, are you making gifts for people for the holidays that could be anything, you know, like little wine caddies or candle holders or whatever, you know, wooden uh, tchotchkes we make. Uh, so are you making them? And you can answer that poll over at the website, and I'll put the link in the show notes. Awesome. Hey, I just did. I'm in the majority. Woohoo! Sweet. <laughs> yeah, I guess uh, you know I'm not making any gifts, but I am making the decorations. So that, I think that was like last week or two weeks ago we asked that question. Uh, if you're making holiday themed gifts this year, so if you only make one for one person and you leave everybody else out, does this still count? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's yes. making enemies. Okay. Well, <laughs> right. in that case, I, I think I am. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's move into our kickback. Got the first one here from Walter. He says, in episode number 204, you mentioned a couple of new podcasts. There's one other that I recently came across, also in iTunes, and at thisoldworkshop.libsyn.com. It's called, wait for it, This Old Workshop. And seems to have started in September with episodes about twice a month. The latest is from November 9th, and it's a two-part interview with Megan Fitzpatrick. Oh. Yeah, popular Woodworking's own Megan Fitzpatrick. So very cool. I haven't had a chance to listen, but I certainly will. And now, you know what? This is the point where I say, okay, that's enough. Like, I was complaining we didn't have enough woodworking audio. <laughs> I'm good now. I'm good now. We can stop here. If, there, if there's any more, I'm probably not going to be able to listen to them. So let's, uh, you know, let's see how this goes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm right there with you. I do have my moments. I'm like, where am I going to fit in the rest of my stuff? I'm gonna have to work longer hours and I don't know if I can do that. Yeah, I know. It's uh, I, I don't have enough times during the day like I used to with a commute and things like that. So it's the best time for a podcast. Um, and when I'm in the shop, I'm filming most of the time, so I can't listen then. Uh, but yeah. Okay. Anyway, more the merrier. <laughs> Honestly, this old workshop sounds pretty good. We'll check it out. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. All right. Well, this next kickback comes in from Winebox Woodshop. I wonder if the name comes from what was stacked outside of the woodshop or what actually is being built in the woodshop. I know. Can you imagine growing up with a name like that? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Like, like, hey, little wine box. wine box kid. Yeah. Come here, There's little wine box. You know, the, that woodshop family. Yeah. So oh, it could be worse. It could be box of wine kid. Here comes that box of wine kid. <laughs> yeah, right. Come here, friends. So, here. Anyways, uh, uh, Winebox Woodshop says shipwright Louis Cesaruse uses a plastic bag to steam <laughs> Steam bend large wood. He has a YouTube video called How to Steam Bend Wooden Boat Frame in Plastic Bag. Well, that's an original title. Anyways, we'll have a link in the show notes because if I remember right, we did have a question. Actually, or was it further kickback from the question about trying to uh, get the resawn sycamore? I think, was, I think that's it's probably my fault because I said you need a really big steam box. Right. That's right. It. Well, this Once is cool. A, a I watched a really big Twinkie, your steam box. That's a big <laughs> Twinkie. I watched uh, quite a bit of that and holy smokes, really cool. Like large pieces. He wraps it in this baggy type thing and it just, it's just sweating inside the bag and uh, seems like a great trick to be able to get larger pieces without having to have that sort of like dedicated one size fits all kind of steam box, which is pretty See, cool. I'm envisioning like sticking an entire boat frame in there and, and, <laughs> steaming it till it bends just making right. a giant sauna essentially yeah, <laughs> that's exactly yeah. it <laughs> pretty cool stuff uh okay so uh, normally we do our voicemail here we did have two messages and unfortunately most of the questions that came in from voicemail were sort of repeats and i think we you know even we tend to forget stuff that we've talked about in the past but there are a few that just kind of are on our radar and if we can remember like oh yeah i know we talked about that recently 
it's a little bit hard for us to answer that question again. We also don't want to bore the audience by talking about the same things over and over. And, and you know, a lot of the stuff we will have to talk about multiple times over the course of the show, but that's just the nature of woodworking. Sometimes there's a different slant on it. And sometimes we'll just, you know, blatantly answer the same thing twice. Uh, but in this case, these all seem like things that we had talked about recently. So I didn't want to regurgitate all that information and talk about it again. Um, you know, we, we were talking offline about this different possible solutions to make it a little bit easier because I know that the search uh, at, at woodtalkshow.com, it's shared with the wood whisper, which makes it a little bit difficult to find exactly what you're looking for specifically for wood talk. Uh, so we'll, we'll be moving to a new website in the future and uh, in the near future, actually where wood talk will be on its own. And I really yes. hope that's <laughs> yes, finally, um, I really hope that's going to make a difference in searchability and the ability for, for listeners to find old conversations that uh, we don't want to rehash again. And also, we were talking about possibly you know getting transcripts made, and if anyone has a solution for how you might be able to sort of put the transcripts out there in some sort of a searchable database that people can, can look at, that would be awesome. Because most of the time, just the show notes alone... Uh, may not cover every little detail that's been discussed in the show. Uh, so. Right, because uh, shocker, we actually go off on tangents, uh, as Mark so you know pointed yeah. out to us rather tactfully. I'm like, what are you talking about? We never do that. <laughs> hey, did I tell you today for lunch I had yeah. spaghetti with? Hey guys, tighten it up is 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 what we Ooh, had to do. I've got a really great recipe for spaghetti. Mm, I can you go put for it in water <laughs> until it kind of sticks to the wall, and then you're done. You know, speaking you know, of water, we are have spaghetti tonight for dinner in the Vanderlust house. <laughs> that does sound good. It is. Can I come? Yeah. Yeah, if you want. So anyway, about uh, (laughs) what was I saying? I don't know. know, Forget it. Let's just go on the email. Uh, The first one here is from Michael, and he says, I just recently made a quick, easy, and inexpensive end table out of some pine that I got on sale at the Home Depot. Sanded the pine down with 120 grit and applied a coat of straight up Zinsser seal coat. Was worried about blotching. After the first coat, I did a quick sanding with my palm sander using 180 grit. From there, I applied another coat of seal coat. Uh, An hour after the second application, I proceeded to apply Minwax stain without sanding. When I was applying, I could tell that something wasn't right. It kind of puddled and dripped. Now, here we are 24 hours later, and the table is very, very tacky, uh, and the color seems a little bit off. Is this because I didn't sand? Is there a fix, or am I up the proverbial creek? All right, well, here's the problem, Michael. When you're using shellac, you do have to be careful about how much you apply, And what the concentration is, because ultimately what you're doing when you're trying to do that whole blotch prevention thing is you're partially sealing the wood. And the key word there is partially. If you put too much on, you fully seal the wood or you just seal it too much. Mostly sealed. Mostly sealed. And then you can't get any absorption. And that's what those oil-based stains really rely upon. They can't just sit on the surface. They have to absorb into the wood and that's how they cure. So that's what you're dealing with, a, a surface that's been sealed too far and now that oil just doesn't want to dry. It's sitting on top and it's going to remain a nice, gross, sticky mess uh, for the duration. And it probably will not change at this point. So it is one of those cases for a do-over. You may want to go and just kind of wipe the surface down with mineral spirits and try to get as much of that stuff off as you possibly can. Uh, but it may still wind up being a sticky, goopy mess. So bottom line, you're probably going to wind up having to scrape the surface and remove as much as you can and kind of do a do-over there. And the key here in the future is to use less shellac or lighter cuts of shellac. Now, Zinser Bullseye is coming in at two pounds right out of the can, and that's a little bit heavy. You put two coats of that on. 
you know, so that that's substantial. I would dilute it. Don't worry about the pound cut recipe crap for something like this. Just dilute it about 50%. You're going to get close to a one pound cut that way. Uh, close enough for, for, you know, for government work, as they say. And uh, not to offend government workers, my mom worked for the government. Anyway. Yeah, so both my parents. Thanks a lot. <laughs> there you go. Enjoy that. Uh, but, you know, get it to about that one pound cut. And usually one coat. That's all you need. That's all you really want. And you do have to fight this balance of how much sealer to use, what kind of stain you're using, and how many coats of stain. And it's sort of this whole messy, confusing thing. And I understand why it gets uh, a little bit annoying to new finishers. Um, but that's really what you have to do. Go lighter on that shellac so that more of that oil-based finish is going to absorb into the surface. Wipe away all the excess stain when you're done and see what you got. A lot of times, because you have sort of partially sealed the surface, it doesn't leave enough color when you put the stain on there and it winds up being a little bit too light. So that's just the kind of balance you have to run. You have blotch and dark color on one side and no blotch with very little color on the other side. And that's the joy of using shellac as blotch control, Uh, (laughs) you know, unfortunately. As an alternative, I mentioned this on the website a number of times, one of the best blotch control uh, formulas I've ever come across comes from Charles Neal. Uh, He has a blotch. It's called, wait for it, what's it called? Charles Neal blotch control formula. I don't think I can remember that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that stuff works really well. It is water-based. So you're going to have to move away from the oil-based materials, and you probably want to use a water-based dye with it, Uh, preferably like General Finish's water-based dye is great. And you can get amazing uh, colors on pine and poplar and woods that tend to blotch a lot like that. So that would be my best recommendation, but short of that, start over, strip, sand, scrape, whatever you have to do, get that stuff off there, uh, and then try again with a very light coat of shellac. And uh, that's about all I have to say about that. Hmm. I think that's some great information. Hey, before we go on to the next question, maybe we should go back to just before we had the tangent moment. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh wait. We were talking about something. Okay. Um, yeah, you, you started to tell everybody about how like maybe one of the things we could do is maybe get transcripts or something. But I think one of the, the things that we talked about offline, half-heartedly joking around about it, is if we had people that maybe had a spread list, a spreadsheet oh, or yeah. some sort of uh, uh, follow like enough of what's been happening over all the shows or something that – you might be able to help us out in some way. Well, wait, wait. Now you're being very presumptuous here. You're you're assuming I know you're out there, people. You're assuming that you we are. have a fan, and you're assuming that that fan is dedicated enough to catalog what we talk about. Well, my mom listens to the show, and she <laughs> used to work for the government. So, <laughs> oh, so I've heard. Okay, well then yes. that's possible. Yeah, I mean, if anybody has anything like that, I mean, we have show notes. Uh, but they're certainly not perfect. So um, we are open yeah. to ideas and suggestions for how to improve this for people. I mean, if, if anybody out there listens or works to works for the NSA, just pass us your transcripts because we need to be listening. <laughs> nice. Cool. Mm. Can, we, can we go off of the tangent and go back to the original tangent? Yes. Uh, this show is now going back to its normal <laughs> broadcasting schedule. There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, I have this next question, and this comes from uh, Shmuel. And Shmuel says – uh, I got some 70 by 120 centimeter butcher block. Now, for those of you, once again, who aren't playing the metric game, that's 27 and a half inches by 47 inches. I don't understand. <laughs> what? Metric? Ow, brain hurt. Duh, 10, <laughs> uh, whatever. So, anyways, uh, so he says he has this uh, 27 and a half by 47 inch butcher block, and I'm using it for about a year now as my workbench. It has uh, been covered with some kind of something like lacquer or polyurethane. I tried to pill it out using a block plane, but it can take forever. Um, yeah, something that size with a small block plane, uh, that would be more scalloped, it seems like, at least if I was doing it. Mm-hmm. 
Anyway, so his question is, what solvent can I use that will remove it but will not harm the wood glue in the butcher block? So the solvent, I know this is a big issue for a lot of people. We frequently get questions about kind of like along the line of Shannon where he'll get the picture of wood and go, what is this? Uh, A lot of people when they are – Yeah, it's wood. Oh, look at that. It's really neat. A lot of times people will have questions about what finish perhaps they're going to try to refinish a project. They'll get something from uh, an antique store or maybe a loved one that's like, hey, this is really scuffed up. Can you do something for me? And the big question is, what finish is this? What do I I end up doing with this? Uh, There is a rather easy way to uh, kind of a basic thing you can do to try and figure out right away if it's something like, say, shellac or lacquer. In fact, I'm going to link to an article from Wood Magazine where essentially what they're talking about is you can sample a little spot on the the project itself, preferably depending on what type of project it is. It's going to be kind of hidden away or something. But say start with the first solvent, which might be reagent, alcohol or something. If it's shellac, that alcohol should kind of do its thing on removing the the surface then maybe you go on to something that would be like a a lacquer thinner i never work with lacquer so i don't know what the solvent is on that one um and then work your way up to say something like uh like a xylene or something that would normally kind of eat its way through like perhaps like a polyurethane or something if it turns out that it's a newer project uh, newer as in like maybe the past several decades where something like a polyurethane might be a more likely top coat then chances are unlike shellac and lacquer which can kind of melt into each other if you were to resurface it polyurethane you pretty much are scruffing up that whole surface you're going to scratch you know take it down practically to the bare wood and then have to put on a new coat of poly so you might end up just having to do that anyways just sand it down to bare wood and going from there of course commercial grade solvents or commercial grade finish removers is a rather easy way to go and you can get some that are environmentally friendly and don't burn all the nose hairs in, in your in your nose yeah, so that, that might stuff, be oof, that stuff can be bad oh yeah if it's not like that you know I like it citrusy stuff oh my gosh that stuff just hurts now one thing that uh, a big part of the question in here also is uh it's concerned about the effect of the solvent on the wood glue from what I'm finding, doing a little research ahead of time here, it turns out most glues, it's not really an issue. In fact, uh, I saw somewhere where they were talking about polyurethane claims to be 100% solvent-free. I don't know if that's completely true, but they're claiming that a lot of the PVAs uh, not a major issue. So when it comes to the actual joint itself, if you're worried that maybe this is going to kind of pull apart or something, chances are it might be because there's already something going on there. Maybe the, the, the glue joint is already starved, so it's showing signs of where you know worst comes to worst maybe you might get lucky and it'll fall apart and it gives you a chance to re-glue it and make it even stronger you know so, for something like this i'm wondering it's a butcher block it's a workbench right. why is he putting like usually when you want to try to dissolve a finish or like maybe reactivate a finish is you're kind of i see that in the territory of uh i don't know restoration you know where you're trying right. not to really furniture piece yeah you don't want to take away the you know like like uh shannon's lathe you don't want to take away some of the natural aging uh that's taken place there in this case it sounds like he just wants the finish off uh, I, w- I would just say use the chemical stripper, get the stuff off there, and start over with fresh wood. Um, yeah, I it, would say grab a belt sander and a 40-grit belt. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, that too. Was, yeah, that was one of my or first. like a, 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 a heavy-duty, the first thing that comes to mind is a Festool Rotex, but that's kind of expensive. But, I mean, they have, 
I, I remember when I got my Rotex, it came with like one of those, I don't know, the, the paper itself looked like it could draw blood if I ran my hand <laughs> over it. It was like an ought four grit, you know, with actual boulders on the surface. But I mean, that would pull a finish off in seconds. And it, it's a workbench. Then you've just roughed up the top, so you've got more grip on the top. Yeah, and he's got a nice, uh, a nice wide, flat surface. It's just a big, flat surface. It's the easiest thing to to do that to, right, as opposed to something with all kinds of curves, right. like a piece of furniture uh, right. and turnings and whatnot. So, yeah, I think he can. He should just go brute force with this. I mean, he might learn something playing with different solvents and stuff, but that right. seems sure. like he's, there's, he should. There's something to that if you wanted to experiment. Sure. But. But I don't yep. see a whole lot of value in in doing it that uh, <laughs> that that strategic sort of way. Of course, there's right, the yeah. other solution. What's on the underside of it? Because if that's not finished, I just say flip the whole thing over and you're done. <laughs> there's your new oh. top. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Shannon, stop making it so easy. <laughs> it's got to be harder than that. Come on now. Right. Yeah. So, but for those of you who maybe have a piece of furniture that you're wondering about this, definitely check out this article and it's kind of a, a neat little way to play around with it. Uh, but yeah, I agree with it when it comes to that work. As soon as I saw the part about workbench, that was like the first part of me. That was going to be my easy answer was just, just tear it apart. <laughs> just go. rip the surface off. Nice. All right. This question comes from Chris, and this is actually um, a question uh, directly addressed at me. So I, I had to jump on it. So there's there's your your tip. If you really want me to answer something, just put my name in it. Dear I Shannon, I get excited. <laughs> what is your account number? How can I access it? <laughs> my name is Abdul. I'm from Nigeria. Uh, okay. Anyway, Chris says, I'm curious why you chose a planer over a joiner as your one power tool. In the order of things, you would join an edge, then take it to the planer. Are you confident enough to get your reference edge by hand before taking it to the planer? Yes. Okay. And, I was going to let him else? hang there, too. That was nice. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, I am. And it, the, the reason that I, I did pull this out, because this question has come up before, and we've certainly addressed the whole, you know, I, I want to buy a joiner, but I can't afford to buy both a joiner and a planer. Which one do I need first? And uh, I know Mark has dropped a link in here to his website to uh, which comes first. And if I remember what Mark was saying, it's not so much the article, it's the comments after the article. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah, so we'll drop a link in there. I also happen to have produced a video, I don't know, a couple of months ago now, I guess, where, first of all, if you want to see the new planer in action, you get to see it in action. But I specifically cover what I would call a hybrid milling method, where I do to get my reference face with the hand plane. And yes, I feel perfectly confident of getting a dead flat and even finish ready surface with a hand plane, but it really doesn't have to be that much. Um, and, and if you watch this video, you'll see what I mean, where really what you need to do is get a surface that doesn't move around. You get a surface that references cleanly off of the planer bed and then you run it through and get a nice clean parallel surface then you flip the thing over and you run it through and clean up your hand plane surface so you know it's it's kind of the shortcut method you could certainly go whole hog and get it you know dead flat with your hand planes but i figure if you're gonna rely on the planer to do some of it you might as well make even you know shorter work of it so i think i actually flattened three boards if i remember correctly in that video and it's kind of all done in real time and it's like flattened three boards in maybe 15 passes of a hand plane because <laughs> nice. it's just to take the rock out of the out of the board so you can run it over the planer so um you know i i, I bring this up because i do think I'm reading into the question a little bit here because just the way he says, are you confident enough to get it? Um, yes, I am. And I actually do believe that that's a fundamental skill. 
that all woodworkers really should have. You know, it's not a hand tools are better or power tools are better or any of that. It's just one of those things that I think we should all know how to do because there will always be a time when that machine's not going to work for you. And you're going to want to be able to pick up a hand plane and know that you can get there. It may take you longer than somebody that does it a lot more, but just knowing that you can get a reference that you can trust, I think is important. Well, and I think when you look at the the steps in the process, doing it the way you're doing it, once it's plain, the only thing left to deal with are basically you have edges, right? And edges are kind of a piece of cake to deal with. Um, If you go the other route, let's say you use the jointer first, he's going to get a nice clean face right off the bat and a nice edge. You might think you're ahead of the game, but then what do you do about that second, uh, that second face? You now have to make that not only flat, but perfectly parallel. Now your planing task is actually much more difficult and time consuming because you use the jointer first, you know? So so if you look at the, just the order and process of things that you need to do, uh, using the planer as your only power tool kind of saves you, well, not kind of, it saves you a lot of extra work. Yeah. And there is actually, I can't remember where I first came across this, but it's like a rule of thirds or something like that. When it comes to actually planing the edges, you can flip a board up on its edge, on the narrow edge and run it through a planer. As long as you adhere to this rule of thirds, if it's, if it's no more than three times wider than the thickness, just from a stability perspective, Mm -hmm. you can feel pretty confident about running it through. Now, obviously if you're dealing with, you know, three quarter inch stock, you can't, put anything really wide through there. But like in this, this video I did, I was building this, um, dining table that had really beefy legs to it. They were, um, what, two and a half inches thick and six inches wide. Well, two and a half times three is more than six. So I basically jointed our hand plane one face to got, get the rock out of it. And then I, um, planed an edge to be flat and square to that face and then ran it, ran it through the planer and got the parallel faces on both edges. So I really cut down the, the timing that required me to, you know, stand there with a hand plane and do that work. So mm-hmm. I, I had no hesitation whatsoever when I got rid of my joiner because I knew that I could always rely on the planer to, to do that. The planer to, to use an old Atari or even a video game reference, the planer is my reset button. Uh, <laughs> when, I, when I screw things up with a hand plane, I can just run it through the planer and it cleans it up for me. Nice. That sounds good to me. Uh, all right. And that's about it, right? Pretty short show. Feels uh, short. Was it short? Yeah. Is it short? Kind of. 37 we get, we minutes? Had that, we had that great tangent in there, which is going to be fun for everybody. Well, let's uh, let's talk about our favorite TV shows or something. Let's kill a little time. Oh, actually, now you mentioned I've got uh, three on the uh, in the queue for as soon as I'm done recording. I'm going to go get my plate of spaghetti, and then we're going to sit down in front of the TV all snuggly <laughs> as the snowstorms coming in and watch our favorite shows till the cable goes out. Oh, uh, snowstorms! That uh, sounds awesome. I almost thought about not wearing shorts this morning, and, uh, <laughs> and then I decided, you know what? So you, no, it's going to get warmer this afternoon. So, well, you should watch the frostbite when you're getting the ice trays out. <laughs> there you go. It's very cold. Yeah, that can be that can be rough. All right. Well, if you want to support the show, you can do that. Just go to woodtalkshow.com. Look over in that left hand side, and you'll see some links for recurring donations and one-time donations and you can also buy a wood talk t-shirt at twwstore.com or you could even look us up in the itunes store and give us a nice review nice little five-star rating would be nice just like ver handcraft did ver handcraft and this is probably one of my favorite reviews right the subject is not stinky some things are stinky and smell bad this is not one of those things 
Huh. Okay, that's good. I mean, I mean, I wash on a regular basis. It's it's pure brilliance, frankly. It's, so it's another way of saying this show is better than my dog's butt. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so yeah, very happy with that review. And if you want to do that, too, that bar uh, is set pretty low, by the way. So <laughs> you should see that butt. It's something else. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so uh, Matt, how about you give them the contact info and we'll get out of here. All right. Hey, folks, do you have a comment, question or topic suggestion? There are several different ways to contact us. Leave us a voicemail on Skype. Our username is WoodTalkOnline. And we just might ignore that one, too, just because actually we might just be lazy and don't want to answer those and use the lame excuse. <laughs> or you can call our voicemail line at 623-242-5180, where you can do the same thing. Email us at WoodTalkOnline at gmail.com or leave us a comment on our WoodTalk Facebook page. And if you're looking for the show notes or downloads from today's show or previous episodes, you're going to find those over at WoodTalkShow.com. Uh, and you know what? I don't know if people are aware of this. We need to remind you once in a while. We also have our own separate shows. Uh, there's Shannon over at the Renaissance Woodworker.com. Uh, and there's Mark over at the Woodwhisper.com. And there's Matt over at Matt's Basement Workshop.com. Uh, so you can definitely check those out along with our forum over at WoodTalkOnline.com. Yay. Wow. That's lots of dot com. That is. That's a lot of dot com. That sure is. I should just like just have a thing on there. Like if it sounds like a URL, there's probably a dot com at the end of it. Just assume <laughs> that's the one. Uh, unless it's hand tool school. Right. Oh, in which yeah, case it's dot net. <laughs> <laughs> We've tried to get the dot com. But you know, that explains why I can never find you. There you huh. go. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll catch you next time. See ya. See ya. Network. For more information about this and other shows, visit frogpants.com. Audio program so good, it's like you're there. <laughs>